0: Hello, welcome to the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. This is Noah Becker. My guest host today is Coco Dole, a curator and artist in New York City. She'll be speaking with Magnus Resch and Tam Grin about Magnus' new book, How to Create and Sell NFTs, a guide for all artists, written by Magnus and Tam Grin. Launching in June 2022, it'll be a must-have guide for artists and it'll be um, a bunch of specialists in the global art and web 3 industry and it will explore how artists can launch their own NFT projects. It has business advice, it has all kinds of interesting stuff. So look for this book June 2022 and enjoy the following podcast.
1: This is Coco Doll for White Hot Magazine podcast. 2022 in New York City. Today we're hosting um, two authors, Magnus Resch and Tam Green. They just published a book on how to create and sell NFTs. Magnus Resch, a PhD, is an art market economist, serial entrepreneur, and best-selling book author. He teaches art management at Yale, He's considered one of the most relevant economists in the art world and has written seven books on the art market, including the bestseller, How to Become a Successful Artist. Tam Grin is the former director of fine arts at Rally.io, where she helped artists create their own autonomous crypto economies. She became head curator of various institutions, including the Artist Pension Trust and Raw Pop-Up. She currently contributes to Decentralized Arts by Bankless DAO and Women in Web3, Equity, Miami. So tell us a little bit about your collaboration and uh, who is this book for?
2: Thank you very much for having us. Um, super excited to be on the podcast and big fans of what you're doing. Tim and I have known each other for a while. We were... Both in the art world. I met Tam when she was creating in Miami Raw Pop Up, a, a platform for artists to um, exhibit their works. And Tam did a fantastic job there. And then uh, she worked at Showfields. So always in different roles in the art world. And, and many years ago, um, we, we came across each other and uh, I followed her work. And then Tam got involved in the NFT space. And what happened then tim
3: yeah so like magnus said we were following each other's work for a long time i had read all of magnus's books which were amazing and i recommended them to all of my colleagues um and when i started you know when the pandemic first started i started researching nfts as you know part of this digitalization movement that we're going through Um, and i realized that every time i wanted to do a new project with artists I had to explain everything about the blockchain uh, from the very first step. So like artists didn't really know what this technology was, why were NFTs important, why, you know, they should use them in their practice. Um, So I was spending like 15 hours a day on the phone speaking to artists and explaining the same thing over and over, which wasn't really the best use of time because what I really wanted was to curate and do projects. Um, But I realized that there was a huge need to educate artists on the benefits of Web3, which is why I created a course called Crypto for Creatives, which uh, I had the chance to give that course uh, in different nonprofit art spaces, galleries, museums, um, the New York Academy of Art and Harvard University. And that's when I, Magnus and I got together and I was like, Magnus, you're an expert at writing books. Um, I really want every single artist in the world to have access to this technology that can protect their work. Um, So both of our skill sets were like the perfect combination um, to write this book and also write it really fast because this technology is changing every day as we speak. Um, So we really wanted to get the book out there fast while this version of it is relevant right now.
1: And is it published today or tomorrow? It's bu- published this week, correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. We, uh, it's fresh, fresh, available now on, on Amazon. And we really wrote until the last minute. So, for example, Noah Davis, who was working until last Thursday at Christie's and has now joined Bored Apes and Yugo Labs, we already uh, included him in his new role. So we really, the book is really up to date
1: up to date and so you have numerous quotes from artists and uh, in the NFT space inserted within your main uh, chapter text it's about a hundred page book um so how many artists and experts did you reach out to and then also is it the same approach that in your first book was, was uh, what was the same question for everyone or different questions
2: no, very similar. So the book has 170 pages. I would say it's a great introduction to the Web3 space for every artist who is new to NFT's Web3 and also every collector, galleries, people in the art world, traditional art world, who are curious to learn more about what NFT's blockchain and Web3 are all about. So, we explain the basic concepts, we explain the key technologies in simple words. When we had an audience in mind, we really had artists in mind. Similar to my previous books, this is my seventh book. I've always been writing for this audience. Now, similar to how to become a successful artist, we also reached out to the key experts in Web3. So that means we reached out to artists, successful NFT artists, artists who made the transition from the traditional art world to the NFT space, we reached out to the biggest NFT collectors, to the biggest NFT marketplace founders, to People in traditional art world, gallerists like a Bitform Gallery who have been in digital art space forever. Artists like Krista Kim, artists like Kenny Schachter, um, collectors like Adam Lindemann who has the gallery Venus over Manhattan. So it really is a broad range of people on the one hand experts from the NFT field and experts from the traditional art market like Jerry Saltz and others. And the question was always the same. What's your advice for an artist who is entering Web3?
1: Wonderful. Um, So in your book, you also talk about uh, the aesthetic of uh, crypto art. And I wanted to see when you mentioned crypto art being a nascent art movement. So I quote, the crypto art aesthetics that make the conventional arts is uncomfortable. Can you elaborate a little bit on that idea of a a nascent art movement?
3: Yes. So the first thing that I noticed when I started talking about NFTs and Web3 and the benefits that it could bring artists was the resistance that I received mainly from the art world. So I would post on my Instagram about, you know, the findings of you know, artists entering the web three space. And I immediately got, you know, hundreds of DMs of gallerists, artists, and other curators, especially in institutions that were like, um, that NFTs are terrible, they're so ugly, um, they're not real art. Um, and this made me even more curious as to, you know, how these new art movements are being founded. And what I, what I realized was that, Every single art movement that ever happened in history happened with a lot of controversy. Just to give you an example, when the impressionists first came about, um everybody thought their aesthetic was really messy cuz you, you know, from close up it was not the traditional classical art aesthetics. It was the first time um these artists were painting outdoors and the academy like really didn't accept them. Same thing happened with um conceptual art with Marcel Duchamp. He basically insulted the whole world by putting a funeral uh, in an exhibition in a museum. Same thing with Picasso, people didn't really understand the power of cubism or the meaning of cubism when he first started. Uh, Andy Warhol, people thought it was advertising, nobody really understood what he was doing. So my point is, crypto art is following the exact same pattern that other art, important art movements had which is that the establishment is rejecting them because they're uncomfortable with that aesthetic. So if you look at crypto art, um, it's mostly like animals, um, monkeys and apes and penguins and cats and all kinds of animals. And the art world is like, what is this? Why is this so ugly? Um, But the book really explains profoundly, like, what is the meaning of the aesthetic um, in in crypto art movement and what is the meaning of all of these animals which really stand for avatars and the importance of anonymity from a historical perspective looking at the crypto uh the sorry the cyberpunk manifesto and just the importance of protection in a digital age and we go really in detail about um, the context of the aesthetic and the crypto art movement in the book nice
1: and your book also focuses on community building and the importance of it. So why is that so important in the NFT space?
3: Well, one of the things that was uh, very impressive for me when we started asking all the experts about, about their advice, almost every single one of them mentions community as like the bedrock and foundation of the crypto art movement. Uh Usually in the past, you know, art has been like a one-on-one psychological experience between the audience and the piece, uh, the artist. Like you usually as a collector, just connect to a piece of art individually um, compared to like other creative industries like music that makes people come together. But in the case of the crypto art movement, because um, it, it came about during a pandemic where we're all forced to you know be cyborgs and stuck at home and communicate most of our communications like 65 percent of our communications were digital it started giving birth to like digital communities which is a behavior that we inherited from the gaming world and a lot of behaviors of crypto art are really inherited from the gaming world Um, so digital communities are really the support base of any NFT project. And we go really deeply as well in the book as to how they're created and why are they important.
1: And Magnus, um, so you're comparing uh, the traditional art markets to, uh, to the NFT space. Um, what are the comparisons between the two, uh, the two spaces and um, where did you find all the key findings for your, uh, the database for your book?
2: So it's interesting. The, the traditional art world and the NFT space have a lot in comparison. And that means money is one part. Both sides focus a lot of money and both want to sell um, at the highest price. Now, when we look at what was our, our starting point for our research was really a data study. Um, that I conducted in 2018 and published in Science Magazine, where we looked at success factors of artists. Now, success factors of artists in traditional art world are um, very simply said, the network that the artist is in. In the NFT space, networks, and when I say networks, I mean networks consisting of galleries and museums. In the NFT space, those don't exist. So something else takes over and that is the community, meaning um, collectors and audiences. That's why we dedicated an entire chapter to that. What makes an artist successful in the NFT space is how early is the artist involved in it and how in what network is the artist in, meaning what other artists and collectors are purchasing um, those works.
1: So sense of community building from um, and from all angles. Um, Also, considering the recent uh, market crash in the Ethereum, um, a lot of NFT projects have lost in value recently. Um, Was it something that surprised you?
3: Honestly? we i was personally like very prepared for it because if you look at the history of of blockchain technology since its inception in 2009 um you we would see that the market has been extremely cyclical with very high ups they're called like crypto summers and very low uh market crashes which are called crypto winters so um, the more you spend time speaking and researching with people that have been in the space for a really long time, the more you realize you know uh, the cyclical nature and how the market moves. Um, and we have said from the very beginning of the nFT boom, which happened after the people sale in Christies in March 2021, that most of the prices in the nFT market were really not as sustainable um in the long run um it was more of a bubble like 98 percent of nft projects you know were not meant to necessarily sustain those very high prices in the long run but it was definitely a sign of a new movement and a societal change um and i think this this crypto cycle um, and the market crash is combined with a lot of other things that are happening besides blockchain space um, like the whole tech sector, or, you know, potentially a bigger recession.
1: Actually, wanted to ask both of you, are you both collectors, I presume, of NFTs?
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, I do. However, as with the traditional art world, I collect what I like. I don't collect as an investment. And um, I think that's, that's uh, one of the key um, findings, having explored the NFT space. Most of the NFT projects are not a good investment. While we always hear of the incredible price increases of the board apes and crypto punks, it's very similar to traditional art world where art is not a good investment. But everyone talks about Damon Hurst and Jeff Koons and how they bought a piece for almost nothing and now can sell for millions. Um, The NFT space is very much the same. So my advice to my friends who are asking me, oh, what should I buy? What should I buy? I always say, hey, if you want to make a lot of money, go to the lottery. (laughs) If you like to enjoy uh, digital art, buy uh, some NFTs, buy them on the big marketplaces or go to a gallery. Because a gallery like Bitforms, um, for example, in New York, has been selling digital art forever forever. Um, and has been doing a great job. So the current rise of NFTs hasn't really changed much, apart from increasing awareness to that field, which is great because a lot of artists in the space who were neglected for so long finally could make some money to that. I, I agree. Know out of my fi- yeah,
3: I so would say- also just add one thing: is that the different the difference between buying traditional art and NFTs when it comes to collecting is that usually NFTs come with a very uh much deeper access to that artist so usually the NFT holders of a certain artist will become like their close circle within their community and that NFT will unlock a lot of new benefits for collectors like access to their studio access to meeting that artist in person access to being to even helping that artist build their community so if you have an artist that like really inspires you you don't just have to follow them on social media and look at their piece of art in your home. You can actually participate in their community, which is a very big difference in collecting.
1: So, and actually, which leads me to that question, I wanted to quote an article you published, I think in twenty twenty, where you state the art world and um, the art world and elite are synonyms. The gatekeepers of the art world really work really hard to keep the industry inaccessible. So do you feel that this paradigm has is shifting, has shifted in the decentralization t- of the NFT space?
3: Definitely, when I, whenever I think about NFTs and decentralization in the art world, I, I see it as one step closer to decentralization. I think people, um, have some sort of misconception when they hear the word decentralization, and they just feel like it's it goes from zero to a hundred, and that's really not how it works. Like even the Renaissance was a step towards decentralization, and block use the use of blockchain technology in the art market is another step towards decentralization. For example, we see a lot of artists that are you know minting their own NFTs, and then they're cutting checks to their gallery, right? So it's not like they're waiting on their gallery check for their commission of the work, but they're including in their own smart contracts, the people who they wanna collaborate with that really bring value. So it's uh, cutting a lot of middlemen. And I think galleries, uh, art advisors or curators, and the rest of, of the ecosystem of the art world is gonna have to adapt to a paradigm where artists can really control um, their sales
1: and uh, so what advice would you give to an artist in the end
2: i mean we we asked that question uh, 150 experts you can read their answers in the book we dedicated an entire chapter to how to mint which means how to launch an NFT project where we go through it step by step. We talk about the key marketplaces. We talk about what do you actually need? What is a wallet? How do you get money into that wallet in order to participate on these marketplaces? Which marketplaces do we recommend you to use? Um, and then we talk about how to price your NFT. Um, and um, and the next chapter, uh, we talk about communities. So how to market your NFT. NFT once it is on the platform. Um, and in um, the last chapter, we talk about the future of NFTs. And there we include um, some, Tim mentioned it before, what we envision NFTs will bring to the art space. And that is not another uh, set of overpriced JPEGs. We don't believe that NFTs are all about that. We believe that NFTs are about transparency, authenticity, and money. In the future, every artwork that leaves an artist studio will have an NFT attached to it. So whenever the work is traded, this change of ownership plus the transaction price is registered on the blockchain, transparent and accessible for everyone. This establishes provenance as only the holder of the NFT is the true owner of the real work. In addition, to establishing transparency, artists will benefit because every transaction will earn royalties. That's where the money aspect comes in. Now, um, when we talk about when is that happening, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next year because the art world moves very slow. We think we're talking here about five to 10 years. That's why it's so important to get into this world right now to understand the fundamentals. And that's what this book does.
1: And what about your book, Becoming an NFT? Have you thought about that? Or is it something that's a little bit uh, out of reach?
3: Yes, we thought about that like the very first time we ever spoke about this book, of course, because we're you know, we talking about this technology, we've researched this technology, and we also, um, as authors, want to protect our intellectual property in the long term. Uh, we even already have an artist that has... Um interpreted our the cover of the book as part of her work. Uh, Sara Mayoha, she's the original crypto artist. In my opinion, she created uh work on the blockchain before Ethereum even existed in 2014. Um, and right now we're in negotiations with a couple of different platforms to launch it later this summer.
1: Uh, that sounds very exciting. Um, well, I have one a last question that's uh, more about interestingly uh, in in your book you also mention and talk about mental health and wellness um like spending time with your loved ones you're giving little hints it's, I, I thought it was a a very um a, a nice uh, uh, insert in the, in a book that is also about the market and database and how to integrate it as an artist so uh, what about mental health in the NFT space?
3: Some artists talk about it already. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that um, every time I speak to artists or collectors or really absolutely anyone about the metaverse or NFTs or the blockchain or digitalization, I the the reaction that I get from people is very very fear based, uh, because of course as you know, these digital technologies emerge, we spend much more time in front of a screen. So I, my, the thing I apply to my own life that I really recommend everyone to do and that we talk a lot about it in the book is that the more these digital tools become prevalent, the more we have to learn to be disciplined about limiting our exposure to technology. So what does that mean? Um, There's like practical tips in the book about sleeping in different rooms from your electronics or like adopting different wellness practices, Um, trying to meet people in person as much as you can instead of always digitally, Um, creating no no tech zones in your home, understanding your right to privacy and your right to limit exposure on social media uh, for you and your loved ones. And it's just and obviously the best you know the best way to safeguard our mental health is like to do good things for other people and not just for ourselves but i think it's important to mention it because um people always associate digitalization with like sci-fi ac- apocalypse mm-hmm. so it's important to counter it and to become even more responsible for how we use technology
1: definitely and you, Magnus, as an educator and a professor at Yale, uh, have you uh, integrated uh, these NFT uh, tips into your curriculum yet, or is it upcoming?
2: Yes, that's actually how I got involved. Uh, a couple of years ago, students were asking me about NFTs, and I didn't really know so much about it. So that's, that was my starting point to explore it a little bit more. My recommendation to everyone who is listening this is to really... Don't be scared. I know it can be confusing. There are words being used. It sounds, it sounds all very complicated. And I must admit, it is. Buying an NFT is not frictionless, it can be hard. And minting one can be hard. We believe this is the future. It's not going to come tomorrow. But at some point, we will all, every artist, every gallerist and collector, museum will be in touch at some point with NFTs. Now is the time to get involved and at least understand what's going on. We were able to find out that artists who who adapt early are more successful than those who join later. That's what the data says. We want to prepare and make it very easy for you to get involved in the space. That's why we wrote this book, which is now available on Amazon for $25. I think it doesn't hurt.
1: I hope I get a signed copy.
2: We will try and get you one. Thank you very much. And continue the great work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much, Magnus. And uh, Tam, we wish you the best. I know you have a big week ahead of other uh, communication and press. And um, yes, see you soon. Thank you, Coco. Thank you.
0: You're listening to the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. This is Noah Becker.